Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in-depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are visiting with Allison Prawl. Dr. Prawl serves as Assistant Professor of Communication Sciences and Disorders at Baylor. A certified speech-language pathologist, Dr. Prawl's research focuses on understanding and improving language and literacy outcomes for children and young adults with intellectual disabilities. She earned a National Institutes of Health Early Career Research Award to study the effect of a reading intervention utilizing functional, technology-based texts for young people with intellectual disabilities. Prior to joining the Baylor faculty, she served as speech-language pathologist in a Texas school district before pursuing her Ph.D. at Vanderbilt, doing a lot of exciting work uh, here at Baylor. And I know it's a busy time, Dr. Prawl. really appreciate you being with us today. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm glad to highlight uh, the work that you're doing. And uh, as kind of an overview, uh, if we were to kind of look at your calendar or shadow you around a little bit, who might we find you interacting with over the course of a, a semester at Baylor? Certainly your students, but are there other populations with whom you work or you come into contact as you do what you do? Yeah, so like you said, definitely interacting a lot with undergrad and graduate students who are involved with the research projects. Um, a large body of my work right now is predominantly with young adults who have intellectual or developmental disabilities. Um, and so we're interacting with those folks as well as their um, families and um, kind of other support staff who who. Um, work with them. And then we've got, um, at any given time, maybe some other studies going on in the lab too. Um, so those may incorporate children in their families um, who have a primary language impairment. Um, and we just try to um, spread that information with the local community here in Waco. As we visit here over the next 20 minutes or so, you'll talk about serving individuals with uh, intellectual disorders or disabilities. What are some examples of those that uh, you serve most commonly? Yeah, so some common examples include Down syndrome or autism spectrum disorder, and then there's many other um, reasons or idiopathic causes of intellectual disabilities as well. Yeah. Well, those are two for sure that most everyone either knows someone or has a family member or someone close to them who uh, who, who lives with that. Let's zoom out a little bit. Uh, Dr. Prowl, I gave a brief description of your research focus at the top of the show. Can you take us inside that a little more thoroughly? How, how would you describe your, your focus and the things that drive you? Yeah, so one way to describe it is really my research focuses on two different clinical populations. So the first of which are children who have a primary language impairment. So these children may have difficulty learning vocabulary or learning grammar or telling stories, even just being able to tell their parents how their day was at school when they um, get home at the end of the day. Um, and a lot of times these difficulties in areas of language also lead to difficulties in learning how to read. And so that's kind of one clinical population we're interested in um, supporting those children to just continue strengthening those skills and try to improve their outcomes. 
The other clinical population, like I mentioned, is both children and young adults who have intellectual and developmental disabilities. So we would say they experience some of those similar difficulties, that language area, but it's secondary often to um, the cause of the intellectual disability, um, like Down syndrome or, or other disorders. And so my goal with both of these populations is just um, to work with other key stakeholders, whether that's teachers or parents or speech language pathologists, to identify areas of needs, what, what are the gaps in what they have to work with, and then to work collaboratively with them to either create or evaluate different interventions or supports that, again, help them improve their ability to either understand language and communication or use their language as well as to improve their overall reading outcomes. Visiting with Dr. Allison Prawl, and we're going to talk to you on the program about uh, some of the ways you approach that. But to get to know you a little bit better, what uh, could you take us back to what sort of drew you into this area? When did you first discover an interest in serving the language needs of people with intellectual disorders? And what would you say sort of motivated you in that? Yeah, so as an undergraduate student, um, my college had a preschool program for children with intellectual and developmental disabilities, or IDD, and it was really close to the dorm I was in my freshman year. And so I just started volunteering at that inclusive preschool program throughout undergrad. And then I eventually, during my master's program, was able to get some clinical training experience with those students. Um, as part of my program. And I just, they couldn't keep me away. I loved getting to um, learn alongside the teachers and interact with the kids and the students there. Um, I always just left with feeling so much joy um, and just kind of got to see. I was really impressed by how impactful a truly inclusive, enriching preschool experience um, was for those kids. And so they've always just kind of had a special place in my heart um, from those early volunteer experiences. Now, I know from uh, from there, you worked in a local school district, you went back and got your, your PhD. What was the path like that brought you from there to eventually Baylor? And what was it that led you to to Baylor to do the work that you're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm from Texas originally and can't hold this against me, but I went to TCU for, for undergrad. Fair and enough, that's all right. yeah. um, so I've always been aware of Baylor. It's always um, been on the radar. And as I was nearing the end of my PhD program, it was kind of a time where the CSD or communication sciences and disorders department here at Baylor was expanding quite rapidly um, in light of some very generous uh, donors um, benefiting our, our department. And so um, that just kind of lined up. And then as I kind of reflected on my own educational experience and as a learner myself, I really have always valued smaller class sizes where I was able to get to know my professors. Um, and I think that's one of the beauties of private institutions. And so even though now the, the roles are reversed or I'm not the student or the learner, um, that kind of more, uh, I guess, opportunity to, to get to know faculty better, 
to get to know my students better um, was something that was just really important to me when I was applying for faculty positions. Um, so that's one thing. And then another thing I would definitely say is just Baylor's Christian mission. Um, for me, my Catholic faith is is really important to me. And so being at a place where I can bring that with me to my work and my research and also um, just have an opportunity to work alongside so many people who are great models of um, just leading kind of with servant hearts is definitely another thing that I love most about Baylor. That's great. Visiting with Dr. Allison Prawl here on Baylor Connection. So you came to Baylor and, and you're doing this work. And to, to, to understand this a little bit uh, further for those of us sort of outside of your area, you, know, you mentioned Down syndrome and autism. And most of us know someone we care about um, who, who uh, has an individual with one of those in their, their families. So that's one connection. But just the scope of the challenges that individuals with disorders uh, face as it relates to rate, uh, language, functional literacy, whether it's stats, experiences, what are some of the things you would like people to know that are uh, th that are out there? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, we see this term in the literature that's literate invisibility. And the idea is that people and um, many people consider individuals with IDD as just not being capable of becoming literate. People have this misconception that they will not be able to learn how to read. And because of this, their potential for learning how to read is invisible. So that's where the term literate invisibility comes from. And again, just this kind of misconception and biases about individuals with IDD, including literate invisibility, often leads to they just aren't given a chance. They're not given the opportunity to foster and develop their reading and language skills, which then kind of perpetuates that original bias. But it's more because they've just never been taught. They've never been given the chance um, because we know they can learn how to read. Everyone can learn how to read. It's a lifelong skill. I'm still developing as a reader myself. I constantly come across new vocabulary words and um, new words that I can add to um, kind of my knowledge based. Um, and so I think we've got a lot of work to do just to recognize um, the power of literacy and that everyone, um, that's part of like our human dignity that we can learn to read. Um, I also think back to my experiences working in the public schools as a speech language pathologist and um, based on that and then just talking with lots of families over the years. And I think oftentimes in the schools, uh, the, the primary focus is on maybe one small part of reading, like we'll teach um, children with disabilities sight words and we celebrate you know oh this week they learned how to read stop and 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 exit but then it quickly just stops or somehow falls off the map um and the reality is reading is really hard it's a really complex process it's something I think many of us probably take for granted but at the same time, we all read every single day. Um, maybe you have to read in your job or even beyond work. We now, it's everywhere. You read to communicate, whether it's texting someone or reading their response or reading an email. Most apps on our phone that 
we engage with day in and day out, you you have to read um, to a certain extent to be able to engage with that. This is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Dr. Allison Prawl, Assistant Professor of Communication Sciences and Disorders at Baylor. So, Dr. Prawl, you described these uh, barriers. Certainly, the disorders or disabilities uh, make it harder for them to learn. You talked about in a lot of cases whether, you know, societally we we don't think they can learn or maybe they're not taught in a certain way. So you've got this big challenge. Where are some of the places that you personally start to kind of chip away at that barrier, places that you think can have an impact, a, a greater impact when you start there? Yeah, there, there's a lot of momentum across a lot of disciplines, including speech-language pathology right now, to engage in what's called implementation science, which basically has the goal of, instead of researchers just coming up with our own ideas and it getting... Um, not really getting into the hands of the people like teachers, like parents, like families, um, to just take more of a collaborative approach to think first about what would this realistically look like to happen in schools for teachers to implement, just as one example. Um, and I, I still have a lot to learn when it comes to true implementation science, but Basically, my hope is that I'm not the one coming up with the research questions and kind of driving that horse and that instead it's evolving out of conversations with families, with teachers, with speech language pathologists to identify what are the needs that they're encountering day in and day out? What is the lived experience of individuals with IDD? What are the ways then I can harness my expertise and, um, you know, try to systematically evaluate these different problems or possible solutions that we brainstorm, um, again, with the big picture of hopefully improving their, their outcomes overall. You mentioned talking to to families, talking to teachers. I know you direct the LIDS lab at, at, at Baylor. Do some of these conversations take place there? Yeah, yeah. So the LIDS lab, it stands for Language Impairment and Down Syndrome Lab. Um, and yeah, it's essentially our research team. So that's one way that we connect with families and other people in the community. Um, as a shout out, we've got we're starting to build um, our social media presence. So we have an Instagram, which the handle is lidslab underscore CSD, um, or you can Google it and um, find our website. And there's a, a form there where people can connect with us. Lidslab underscore CSD on social media. And you, know, you can Google Baylor Lidslab and, and, and find it there. Well, Dr. Pro, some of this leads into uh, a, a research project you've been working on that might give us kind of a, a practical look at the way uh, you go about uh, working and serving those with, with IDD. Uh, you recently earned an NIH Early Career Award looking at the role of technology in, in functional literacy. So I'll use that as kind of a, a starting point. Can you take us inside this? Just kind of what led you down this path initially and where some of the places that's taken you? Right. So again, it goes back to conversations with families. Um, so the idea for the NIH funded project grew out of um, when I was collecting data for my dissertation and was just talking with parents. I was interacting a lot with um, young adults with IDD and um, 
the focus of my dissertation was on kind of reading and um, I had, I was reviewing standardized test results with the parent of um, what I would say is a pretty strong, strong, uh, a young adult with IDD who was a really great reader. And um, the reality is standardized tests um, are also biased for a lot of the reasons I mentioned previously. And so the scores were um, somewhat discouraging. And as I was kind of debriefing and talking with this parent, um, you know, I just came to realize a standardized test, it is, it is standardized. It is designed for a very narrow, specific purpose. And, you know, I told the mom, I said, I, I love to read, but it's been years since someone has handed me a passage, asked me to read it and answer comprehension questions about that. Again, that's this very narrow focus. Here's how I read every day. I was reading your text message response to say that you guys were home and available for me to come by. I'm reading my emails to stay on top of my schoolwork. I'm reading in a Bible study I'm participating. I'm reading books because that's something I enjoy doing at the end of the day. Um, and that's kind of where I started thinking more about what we refer to as functional literacy. And so it kind of is a different approach than this, again, more narrow focus that you might typically think of within an academic context. Um, so as I was thinking more about functional literacy, what does it look like for young adults with IDD to read and navigate their day, day in and day out? Um, it's around the time then I was starting at Baylor, which coincided with COVID. And so I got here and um, understandably, it was just difficult to get plugged in with the schools in the area. Um, but ultimately ended up, I think it was, Divine Intervention um, got connected with um, Texas A&M actually has an inclusive college program and um, my collaborator there, we just kind of continued this conversation about functional literacy and she was super excited about it and um, we just dove right in and started collecting some pilot data with their students with IDD um, and from there, I've had a lot of great mentorship along the way. Everyone I've interacted with, whether in the pilot study or mentors, have helped kind of sh shape and improve um, the study in its current form, which is funded by the NIH grant. Um, and sometimes I still am, am shocked. I'm obviously thrilled that uh, the project was funded. I think it's really encouraging to know that others recognize the importance kind of of this work and and see the need for it. As you really dive into this, what are some of the questions you're hoping to answer? What are some of the practical outcomes you, you'd like to see as you get further into it? Yeah, so in, in the study, um, we are teaching the young adults with an IDD reading comprehension strategies, but it's all within the context of, hey, here's a text message exchange. Let's read through it. We're gonna teach you some evidence-based strategies um, and hopefully that will improve your comprehension so that, you know, they meet a new friend and hopefully they can engage in the kind of these day-to-day -day, um, interactions that involve reading 
more fluidly. So in the context of the study, we are measuring reading outcomes that are very closely aligned with the intervention. And so they're related to those reading comprehension strategies that we're teaching them. Um, Big picture, hopefully we'll continue um, to get grant funding to kind of expand this work um, because we'd love to see kind of other outcomes in terms of does this really have an impact on employment opportunities or their quality of life and um, other broader outcomes such as those. Well, Dr. Pro, we'll look forward to uh, kind of the results and the fruits of that in the uh, in the in the years ahead as you continue that study. And you know, as as we wind down here on the program, I just want to ask you a broad question to to close uh, to close for families um, for people who have a loved one with IDD. Are there any tips you have? Just any basic tips to help them as they look to improve their their literacy at any point in their life, or just any directions you might point them. Yeah, I think, again, just knowing that there's so many misconceptions, um, I think advocacy, I would just really empower family members to advocate for lifelong language and literacy learning um, and just recognizing and educating others about the reality that everyone can learn how to read. It's never too late. Um, and if, if families have someone, um, like a school age friend or relative with a disability, um, I think oftentimes just finding at least one partner or one champion within the schools so that you guys can work together, um, just to support each other in those advocacy efforts definitely can have a huge impact. Um, and my hope would be slowly by just spreading the information by advocating, sharing stories, and that hopefully the narrative can change over time and we can get rid of this idea of literate invisibility. Well, that's wonderful. Dr. Prawl, I really uh, appreciate your time. And again, uh, the Lids Lab at Baylor, people can Google that or find you on uh, social media at Lids Lab underscore CSD. Uh, appreciate the work you're doing and really appreciate you taking the time to, to share with us. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. Dr. Allison Prawl, Assistant Professor of Communication Sciences and Disorders, our guest today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.